0: Are looking live. Pat Lockner heading east on Interstate 80 towards Ohio. Let me go check out the Ohio State Fair later this week. Beautiful Sunday afternoon, hooking up with an old buddy by the name of Danny Bond. We are meeting today to deliver to you a market heifer prospect that you bought for me back in March. A little Blue Room. I am here, yeah. MAB. Come on. Audience the listening nationwide, and in Canada, and 70 other countries, might uh, not know Danny Vaughn. I started, I was the, the product of two parents that, that both did
1: some, basically both grew up with cattle. Uh, my mother grew up on a Jersey dairy farm, and my dad grew up just having a handful of cows at the small farm that his parents had, and they always had pigs as well, but When he got out of high school, he went to work for Melinda Farms. And at that time, they were showing Herefords all over America. And they would leave in August in a boxcar and leave the West Virginia State Fair and get on the boxcar and head west. And they would travel via boxcar and hit every show in the country and then end up back in the east, I don't know, sometime early spring. Uh, He did that for four and a half years, I think. My grandfather gave me a Hereford cow when I was two. I'm 49 now, so I guess I've been chasing this thing for 47 years. I still have cows at my place that go back to an Angus heifer I bought in 1987 and a shorthorn cow that I bought in 1990 uh, when I was in high school. Uh, my dad told me I borrowed $5,000 from the Farm Service Agency on one of their youth loans and bought five shorthorn cows, and my dad said that's the dumbest thing I'd ever
0: done. Hey, that reminds me of an old story I got there, Danny. Uh, whenever I first started, I operated my first two or three years in the early 2000s on a $20,000 operating note. Wouldn't get me very far today, but uh, that's, that's what I got by in the early days. Since. So, he's a little, little upset
1: that I didn't include him in any of that, but I knew he didn't think it was a good idea, so I, I didn't want him to try to stop me. A good friend and neighbor of ours, John Johnston, was... Was buying national champion type bulls. Uh, we ended up with the reserve Key Angus bull from Denver in 1989 as our herd bull for about five years. So John bought that thing. His name was Sugar Cane. He was a the sugar red Cunha uh, actually purchased him in Denver from Kirk Steerwalt and Phil Walker. So he was um, calf champion in reserve overall, and uh, they sold him in the sale. And John got me, and he was he was not the right kind to work on John's cows. John had key cows, and I'm the big, the big and kind of key cows, and that bull was just too much. He was too tall, put too much to grow in him. John ended up with a bunch of African calves, and we bought him and put him on a bunch of Angus and short horn cows. And, he was he was the trick. Now I think he did a great job. Just drove by a
0: a really fancy looking speedboat and a fancy truck pulling it going to the lake this weekend. Some high polluting person is, and the name on the back of the boat was Prina. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> very, can tell you tell your who very, made who story? The very first in person conversation I ever had with Phil, and I had talked to him on the phone a uh, time or two before that, but uh, the first time I sat down and actually had a conversation with him, he had Who Made Who on display at the Ohio Beef Expo, and this was back probably 1993,
0: 4. Okay, a little bit of show cow history here. Who Made Who was a take
2: charge out of a glittering gold cow raised by Damian Gallagher of Westside, Iowa, born in April 1996. Uh, it was actually right where the bull display was this year.
1: Here's this little bull tied up, and, I mean, he looked like he was about three feet tall and about 40 feet long. And uh, I get to talking to this guy, and like, yeah, that, that's my bull. That's who they do. And uh, he was just standing there. And he didn't have a big fancy stall or a sign or anything. And just just tied up there, and he may have had a, a little sign. I don't really remember, but wasn't anything like today. And we got to talking, and I just kept thinking, man, this bull, there's just no way. Not big enough. Just just a little tiny thing and it just it's never gonna work.
0: Probably dripping with hair or was he was he oh, checked well, out he, by that point.
1: No, he was he was hairy. And he was hairy and he was
0: good looking. I don't curly, I'm, not, I'm not
1: discounting what he looked like. He looked like a million dollars. But he just looked insanely small to me. Like mm-hmm. um like a, I don't know, like a really really overgrown dachshund dog almost. He was longer and <laughs> Uh, they're real long, really long-fronted. Uh, and I was talking to Phil, and I was just like, man, I just don't get this. yeah, guys are selling semen, and it seems like every time I breed something AI, we end up, you know, one, one will be good, and two will be terrible. So I just don't get it. I don't understand why you can't just promote a bull that makes every calf that he sires better than the cow. Because when we would buy those key or key Angus bulls and bring them home and put them on our just, plain-bred, straight-bred Angus or Herford or black baldy cows, it seems like every calf would be better than the cow. I mean, just ninety ninety nine percent of them would be better than their mother. And Phil said, well, if I, I had a bull that made every one of them good, a good one wouldn't be worth anything, now would it? <laughs> and then we saw who made who two years later at Hawkeye. And and I was so wrong on that bull. That bull was a, I mean, he grew and he was certainly big enough for a mature bull. So it just sometimes those promotional bulls are they're awfully small looking. I don't know. They just take a little longer to develop maybe. And I think a lot of it is just because you're looking at them at a display time when they're they're really immature yet. So um, I I had the same same run in with Totally Tuned. I saw that bull at Hawkeye and thought he was the tiniest little thing you've ever seen. About eight years later, I walked into Brent Cole's pasture in Kentucky, and there's this bull in his ear tag says, totally tuned. And I talked to Brent Brent on the phone and said, hey, um, I'm going to come look at those calves. And he was out of town, and he said, here's the directions, here's where you go. My dad will be there. And I walked in, and this bull is totally tuned, and he was amazing looking. I mean, that bull looked unreal. Just still look like the best boy you've ever seen, and I called yeah. him and I'm like, "Is that a totally tuned son?" He goes, "Nope, that's totally tuned himself." I got him leased. And I'm like, "Man, I was as wrong about totally tuned as I was who made it." So kind of kind of taught me not to be quite so hard on them with your babies. You
0: bought the bull tomahawk Chop off of us. That would have been a bull- fourteen, I think. And yeah, that, is, uh, uh, that sounds right. He started off extra moderate on display. But, yeah, he he got to be a decent-sized bull. He did. And I I
1: never told you the full story. Uh, In 2014, uh, a neighbor of mine bought a bull off of your online bull sale. It must have been middle of February, end of February. And uh, it was about a year after the car accident that I was in, and I still couldn't drive or really do much. And he just called one day and said, hey, I'm going to Iowa to pick up a bull. You want to ride along. Ain't not anything else going on, so I said, "Sure, I'll give it a try and uh we we got to your place to pick those bulls up and Michelle took us to Hawkeye, and uh we looked at all those those bulls there I know, like ready to rumble and ready to roll were both there at at the bull stud and we walked over to the other barn, and there was this little red bull there, and no offense to any of the bulls that were in the main barn there was not a yearling bull in the main barn that had as much top as that little red bull did.
2: I mean, yeah. that thing,
1: his top was as wide as any, his, Ellie's top was as wide as any mature bull in there. And I said something to Michelle, I'm like, who's that? And she said, I'm a chop. She said, that's my daughter's favorite bull. He's so quiet that, you know, she can go in there with him. And just opened the gate and stood there and scratched on him and kind of checked him out and I said, Well can I get some semen on him? And she said, well, he hasn't frozen in it yet. And we got to the Ohio Beef Expo and I bought a cane of semen on him, but it just just been made that week. Took it home and looked into accidentally breeding a couple of purebred semitol cows that way. One of the best cows I own right now is still a Tomahawk chop out of that semi cow. Uh we we bred her that way every time she had four tomahawk chop daughters and i still have three of them you were liking so much about what you're seeing out of them calves that you ended up getting them right we bought the bull uh whenever we were kind of done collecting him and bought him and used him as a herd bull for three years i've got quite a number of daughters out of him that i'm quite proud of and that that was a a good investment
0: i'll tell you that much shout out to breeder justin webb of kansas uh, if when I think of uh, Danny Vaughn from Lewisburg, West Virginia, that is the town, right? I, was, I sometimes thought Lewisville or Lewisburg. Lewisburg, it's you
1: know. Lewisburg, you're right.
0: Yeah. So when I think of Danny Vaughn, I think of a gal called Havi. Can you help tell Havvy's story?
1: Brian Gautamiller and I have been friends for a long time. We, we started selling him calves as soon as he got out of college. Um, used to even actually sell him calves and deliver them to Matt Williams's place in Michigan when they were, the two of those guys were having their own baby club they'd sell together. And um, I was hanging out with Goat in Louisville and he had this market steer there he was getting ready. And I just thought that was the perfect market steer. I mean, he wasn't the absolute longest, craziest, wildest fronted. I mean, he was just the kind that sort of wins in our area. I'm uh, just really good all the way around, just fall free, and, uh, I just fell in love with that steer, and, uh, he ended up being reserve overall. I think a girl named maybe Jocelyn Woods from Iowa, and, uh, he ended up being reserve, and, uh, Brian had found that steer at, uh, Hessa's in southern Ohio, habanero, out of a payback cow. And I just loved that steer. And uh, because of uh, how well that steer did, Uh, Hesse's then turned around and flushed that cow back to Habanero and got some embryos. And uh, then they put a flush into frozen gold. And Goat wanted to buy it, but he was kind of short on cash. And he got um, Clark Chamberlain and I, and the three of us, pulled our money and bought that flush uh, out of the frozen gold. And it worked out that I got two frozen embryos, and uh, Brian hauled them down to me when he was coming to look at calves, and I put them in and got two heifers, and one of them was just, she was special the day she was born, so she would have been a habanero payback, and Hessa's had that payback cow for more 10 or 12 or 15 years. They had her for a long time, and uh, I don't think she ever made another embryo for whatever reason. I think
0: that was it. She
1: just never flushed again. But I knew early on that that happy cow was pretty special, and that's the only virgin heifer I've ever flushed. She was just so different from the rest of my cows that I I had to give it a try. It was just sort of like, you have this one that's really modern and really bright on the cutting edge, and you have all these others that are maybe a mating away from being what you want. So I flushed her as a virgin heifer. And uh, we put those in and and got along well with the the first round as we got out of her. Um, I flushed her, I think, the next year to money shot. Um, A buddy of mine, Wes Marshall, had seen that bull and just said that was maybe as good a looking big bull as you'd find. Uh, And I thought that would work on that cow, so we did her that way. And I ended up selling a steer to um, the Armantrout family over in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And uh, Richard Swecker was helping them at the time, and uh, they took that steer, and, and that's still the only steer that I'm aware of born in West Virginia or Virginia that's won the VCCP. Uh, that thing won the VCCP, and then he won the oh, he won the Virginia Beef
0: Expo, and
1: then he, like, he won their county fair, and then they, he won the Eastern National up in Simoniam. So they got a lot of mileage out of that steer. He was a really, really, really good one. I put a flush on her in the Virginia Beef Expo, and a guy at Quaker Hill Angus, Lee Rawson bought it. And uh, he he bought a flush on her, and he wanted to flush her to something. I, I don't remember what we flushed her to the first time, but uh, a friend of mine had some monopoly semen right when it first got hard to get, and uh, we did her to we did her to a couple different bulls. We did her to my turn, and uh, I we did her to Bodacious. That was what Lee originally wanted to do or do. And I was like, hey, well, I'll try this thing to Monopoly. So I got some Monopoly steaming. and uh, the first time we flushed her to Monopoly, Lee got a really, really good one that uh, Terry Lockhart in Oklahoma ended up with. And, Joe Perryman. Uh, there you go, Joe Perryman, yes. Perryman ended up with the steer, and they won a bunch with him. I, I asked him to send me what that steer had won, and, you couldn't fit it all on one text screen. It was pretty awesome. And I uh, think Terry Lockhart was doing the fitting on him at the time.
0: Anyhow, that
1: one turned out really well. And Lee was so proud of the way that it worked that he, he was like, hey, I'd like to buy half of that cow instead of just paying you for the plushes. So we went that route, and I sold him part ownership in the cow. And he flustered, a, we flustered a Monopoly multiple times, Um uh, and uh, one year he had three male calves, all bulls. And uh, Justin Morgan was at my place, and he liked a couple. And I'm like, hey, if you really want to see a good one, you need to go to Ross. He's got one that's better than the that I have. Um, so he went over to Rossins and looked at those, and he ended up buying all three of them. So that, that steer was a, he would have been a monopoly habanero payback. And uh, Justin sold him to the Meert family from Michigan, oh, yeah. and uh, they from took the that mirror. thing, yep. took took that thing to Louisville and won the whole thing with him. Um, it's still one of my one of my favorite stories. Did you get to go to the steer show and watch in person? I, I did not, and that's the craziest thing because for 25 years of my life, I've been in Louisville for that steer show. And uh, rarely miss it. And my youngest son is into showing pigs, or was at the time. And Louisville was coming up, and we were talking about going. And he just put his foot down and said, I'm so tired of going to Louisville and watching the cows. We never go watch the pig show, ever. There are never pigs there. So we decided to go a weekend early and went and spent a couple of days and watched the, all the pig shows, uh, which made him happy. And then we went home. And if I had just stuck around a couple more days, I would have been there. So I knew, I knew he was going. Justin was, I mean, I was getting pictures from him. But I got a picture of him an hour before the show when he was in, you know, when they were getting him ready. I mean, Justin was, Justin yeah. knew he had, he had something special. He really did. Um, we even discussed leaving. It's a five-hour drive to Louisville. We even discussed leaving early Sunday morning to be there for that show. And, and honestly, I didn't go because I was afraid I would jinx it. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that's like, if I'm there, he's not going to win. But if I stay home, that'll be my luck. He's year I didn't go, and he'll win. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So I'm glad I stayed home.
0: In the year 2010, old Mike Shaw family from Boone, Iowa, won the Louisville Key Junior Heifer Show, and an outstanding and very tough show. And I just stayed at home. I was like, man, I got Charlie Wilson working for me. Uh, I'm just gonna send Charlie to the show. I always, I always seem to get beat when I show up, so I uh, I stayed home from a Louisville win for the same for the same reason. A big boy from up there in Virginia probably was blowing you up after that win by the name of Chris Teranvez. Sort of seemed like he was leaving me out of the equation altogether. Oh, was he? Uh, okay,
1: I, never mind. That's that's, that's, the, that's the way it sounded to me. I'm
0: like, I mean, long ago. It. My memory's poor. I just know that. That's Big boy right. had something. Big boy had something to do with it.
1: That donor cow was born at my place. I'm the one to pick the mating on her. We flushed her that way, and yet that guy somehow turned out that he bought some Monopoly semen, and he must have had more to do with it than anybody else.
0: Chris Trims has bought five thousand units of Monopoly semen off me for twenty dollars a straw. That's a hundred thousand dollar check. That one felt good to take to the bank until five months later when Monopoly died on. It. Dang it. Hang it. Yeah. But, except for Chris, he he needed a break and in life. But, uh, I hope that the deal with the Angus Association is going all right with him. Lewisburg, West Virginia. That's kind of a hotbed. That's like Denison, Iowa or Washington Springs, South Dakota. And you just shout out a few of the breeders that live there around you that are doing a good job of raising. You. It is a, if anybody there. ever gets into the state of West Virginia, probably the, uh, per capita, just, more club cabs in your county than any other county in the oh, state of West I, Virginia or Virginia.
1: Yeah, I feel like there are.
0: Yeah, certainly.
1: And it, you know, it just it goes back. I don't know what I don't know what makes an area start like that, but I know John Johnston, kind of a guy that was one of my heroes, passed away this spring. Uh, he was doing it so many years before everybody else. So many years before everybody else. Uh, his wife swears that he's the first guy that ever used a set of goat heads to, to clip a cow because he was into showing sheep all over America. And they started showing cows, and he was like, Well, why don't I just take these clippers and you know, clip on this calf uh, instead of just using the flatheads and you know, flipping their heads and then just showing them that way? I don't know if there's any truth to that. But that's the story she's told me more than once. But I don't know if that's what got it started. It certainly could have been his. His son and grandson Donnie and Devin Johnston are, are still big into it. They've got a couple hundred cows that get bred club calf or P. E. Angus or something along those lines. And, uh, Chris Halver is raising as many good ones as anybody right now. And Art uh has, has done a great job, raising a the steer that won Wisconsin two years ago, I think. I've uh, had a steer or two that did well in our state fair. I know they... They won the state fair with an embryo that he put in from somewhere else he bought. Uh, I'm pretty sure his son, Zach, had reserved with one Zach Ray's. Last year, the reserve year was one that Art raised that went to Seth Miller and then went to the Pete's family. Uh, Garrett Morgan and his family do, do a really good job. Uh, Jeff and Thomas and Carl Willis down in Alderson are there doing the club calf thing, and also doing the... Angus and the Semitol. Oh, I was with you. You and I were riding around and you were delivering Semitol semen. Um, what's that family that bought the Jumpstart semen from you while we were there?
0: Limousine. I do not remember off the top of my head. Uh, okay. Ridgeway.
1: Ridgway. The two Ridgeway brothers there. They're both um, doing the limousine thing and I know the one guy getting into the jump start on his bank of cows. And Hunter Vaughn, a young kid, uh, same last name as mine, no relation. Uh, his family's uh, gotten into it here recently and doing extremely well. What about the uh, old cowboy, cowboy Hanson? Hansen. Uh, I'm sorry, Dean Hanson. Uh, he, he doesn't breed as many. He's been buying some embryos. Going that route, he's got a thousand mama cows. Another buddy of mine, Jamie Hunter, is breeding, breeding a handful of them too, but Yes, I mean, you can spend, you can spend two days in our, right in our little area there looking at showcase. I mean, you could do it all in a day if you didn't go see Dawn. and just be right out for a whole day. So, you know, a lot of those guys are doing embryo work and, uh, you know, we've gotten into doing some IVF stuff. Uh, that happy cow quit producing conventionally and, uh, she spent four or five months living at Transova. And, uh, we've done a couple of Vitelli flushes this year, so. Hopefully the future is looking brighter. I know my son is—he'll be a senior at Oklahoma State. He's got a lot of ideas. He's got me changing the way we've been doing things. And I find—I find myself listening to him more and more. because for some reason, some days he's smarter than I am.
0: There you go. The beauty of raising him up, in the program, and no, no, he's at Oklahoma State. Nope. Yeah. Instead of knowing it three days after it happened. You sometimes know it immediately after it happened in those in those university syndicates. Especially that
1: one. You talk yeah. about Winston Springs being a hotbed for, for club kids. I'm pretty sure Stillwater is like the oh, it's like, like the incubator for, for the, yeah. the, the the next generation doing this. It seems there's so many so many talented kids that are all going down there. Uh, Garrett, Garrett was at Redlands uh, with Brandon Callis and Spencer Scott. and then, uh, he just—it's it's just been unreal the experiences he's had. Spend time learning from Brandon yeah. to start with, and then learning from Spencer Scott, and then uh, and got the, and of course on the judging team, spending two years with Parker over at Oklahoma State. So
0: young and energetic kids, and what you said is very important with the schooling. But then uh, outside of Stillwater, you got John Griswold, Jared Arthur, Brian McKay. So if you want to. If you're interested in show cattle or uh, want to learn more about it, you don't have to travel very far to to go from the educational side to the production side or the the uh, yeah show side of it. So.
1: I talked to Garrett and he's coming home from meat animal evaluation. He's been sitting with um, Stockmark and uh, Baylor Bottom. I don't know where you can find
0: uh, that many show cow kids in one room. Uh, of the 200 episodes, Give me your favorite in terms of historical review or whatever
1: I've listened to a bunch of them i you know i I've known Nolan Glister for a long time, and uh, I like the ones you did with him they were they were really good
0: breaking news out. i'm Eldon Miller called me on my way. I haven't spoken to him since the first part of June, and he scheduled me for this Friday at one p m for recording three parts. He's got three stories to tell uh going to tell the beginning story of the National Livestock Exhibitor and then his influence on the uh, Midwest State Fair Sale of Champions. And then he said he had two other separate parts he feels like. He said I needed to schedule off a couple hours. So weekend he wanted them to be up by the Iowa State Fair time. So that's going to be that's cool awesome. to have a 92-year-old man on the Big Show podcast. Eclipsing Senator Chuck Grassley is the oldest guest on the show at 88 years old.
1: I mean there are I mean there there are kids right now that are that are living and breathing this show cow thing but have never even read the National Livestock Exhibitor. I picked up my first copy in Louisville in nineteen eighty seven and, and drove home and wrote a check and put it in an envelope and mailed it to Elden Miller so they'd send me a subscription to that and I uh, kept on getting it right up until they quit publishing it. So there you, go. I, you know, there was
0: no internet. So
1: if I wanna know what was happening in the show cow world that was uh, only a
0: lifeline. I love Roland Shoemaker to death, but they must have had some, some uh, competition there because he wasn't uh, the biggest fan of Roland. But that's just interesting how Eldon dominated the 80s, and then the show circuit came on the scene in the early 90s, and those two probably knocked heads pretty good. And now I know that show circuit still publishes a magazine. I, I advertise in it, but uh, I mean, really, SD Online still basically known for online sales exclusively now uh, as opposed to just being uh, exclusively a, a magazine publication in the
1: When you were asking about the history, I was just trying to think. I really like the one with Tom uh And I, I wish that you could do some of these live because I wanted to call in when Nolan was talking about castrating that bull. And if they do because <laughs> you just castrated him and let him back down. He'll still be able to breed cows for a few days. So... Uh, <laughs> He may not have done Tom such a favor if they then turned that bull loose and let him right back in with those cows and didn't pay any attention to what happened next. I bet that thing was still fertile for a while. <laughs> so, I, mean, I bred cows to the bull. I never got as lucky as some other folks, but uh, anyhow, the, the first bull I ever bought any semen on, the first two I ever bought were Stinger and Sugar Ray.
0: Yeah, the Klinger episode, the Pleasure the episode, the Paul Clapp episode, the Tyrone Hollinger episode. I mean, you want to talk about history of the game, that's, that's a good yeah, guess right there.
1: There's a, there's a lot we can all learn from some of those
0: folks. You bet. Well, I appreciate you coming on to tell your story, your chapter of the MLC Big Show History Podcast. You're only 49 years old. you got another 30 or 40 years to go. I hope so. I hope so. To finish up this awesome episode, do you have any stories you can tell me about Burke Holvey, our national
2: sales manager? You asked me to tell you a Burke Holvey story. I was trying to think of one, and I can remember back when she was graduating from high school. Rather than send her some money for graduation, I offered to give her a, uh, some shorthorn embryos. And um, it's driving me crazy. I can't think of the bull, but um, I ended up giving her a shorthorn mating, and uh, she put the calf in and ended up with a really good shorthorn bull calf and decided to cut it. And, um, ended up, I thought she had it sold, she thought she had it sold and the guy backed out. We were taking calves to um, Keystone up in Harrisburg, PA. And she said, would you take that steer along? So we took him along and uh, ended up being the best steer calf we had. We had a couple nice heifers and uh, ended up winning the, the jackpot, the jackpot, the feeder calf steer show that they have up there. So, when you ask the Angus Queen about um, winning shows, you can ask her about winning a steer show with a shorthorn steer. Well, there you go. That's not quite as good as old Dean Kephart
0: gifting Russ Harkam a one quarter semen interest in the bull full throttle. But that was very nice of you, Danny. And Burke, you're an Angus Goyle. What are you doing messing around with these shorthorns?
2: Sheesh.